chapter 6, verses 37 through 42. And so we're picking back up in the Gospel of Luke. We, we took our, our break, our, our break of the first of the first. Sunday of every month from here on out, we're looking at an aspect of the Sunday service. And so last Sunday was the first Sunday of October. So we looked at what adoration means and why that's important to our service. But today we're, we're diving back into Luke and the passage that we're looking at this morning is Jesus is teaching his disciples how to love their enemies. See, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to love their enemies in, in a very different, in, in fact, a very countercultural way. The disciples would have seen the, the Jewish uh, Pharisees, the religious elite of the day, not love their enemies and specifically not love their enemies by not judging them. What we're going to See, is Jesus teaching his disciples that loving your enemies looks like judging not, condemning not, forgiving, and giving. He'll then, though, teach his disciples on who they should follow and what it looks like to judge. This is a, a tricky passage to look at. It's a tricky passage to prepare for. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read and then pray for us. So starting in verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher." Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Father, we come before you humbly asking that, that you would use your word to transform our lives. That, that your word would train us into godliness and holiness. That, that your word this morning would convict us of our sin where we have been living disobediently. Father, we ask that you would allow our hearts to be soft to your word, that it is through your word that you change people's hearts and lives. And so I ask this morning that you would allow our hearts to change, to be softer to what you have written down, to what your son Jesus taught. 
that when we leave this morning and go through these doors back to our everyday lives, that we wouldn't just leave what Jesus says here, but we would take it with us, that our hearts would burn and be on fire to live out the good news. Oh, Father, I ask that you would use this morning to spark a fire, a a revival in the hearts of all of us that are here this morning. And that you would use this, this church, community church of Appleton to reach the Fox Valley, to reach the nations and to reach the ends of the earth. Pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Judgment is, is an interesting subject in our day and age, is it not? I mean, it doesn't take long to, to either watch the news or talk to a friend or, or whatever it may be, go on Facebook or social media to, to see how judgment is such an, in, at an interesting point in our time of history. See, the, the unbeliever has a very attractive perspective of how we should judge. This view can be summed up that we just shouldn't pass judgment. And that's a pretty attractive statement. This is a no-judge zone? Well, sign me up. (laughs) And it seems that if the Christian, on the other hand, seems to be labeled as judgmental and condemning. And do you know what? Sometimes rightfully so. It's almost as if the the Christian believer feels the need to have to be the gatekeepers to, to heaven just in case if God isn't watching over everybody on earth. But what judgment in these cases is and what we will see Jesus teach his disciples is that judgment is actually when you are elevating yourself over another person. Or better yet, judgment is when you look at somebody to feel a sense of superiority. You see, the Christian sees this in two ways. It's easy for a Christian to be judgmental to the outsider by being known for what they are against. Constantly pointing out where... The fault is. The second way that a a Christian can be known for their judgment is when they completely separate themselves from the world so that they can gather in groups or pockets of people to judge the outside world to make themselves feel a sense of superiority. The non-believer, however... The unbeliever, the, that statement of that we just shouldn't pass judgment, well, that kind of falls flat on its face because that very statement is a judgmental statement. Is it not? Well, come here, come here. This is a no-judge zone because those judges over there judge everybody. So we're judging those judges. I had a friend in college uh, who used to go around putting up his fingers like this and say, Judger, Judger, and I think he failed to realize that he himself, while he was calling other people judgers, was judging those judgers. 
our gut reaction as sinful human beings is to look at other sinful people and judge them so that we can look and have a sense of superiority in our lives. But what Jesus is teaching his disciples and what we are seeing this morning is that there is a proper way to judge. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to properly judge. Before we get into these first two verses, let's just remember that Jesus is teaching his disciples what it looks like to love their enemies. The, the ones who had been cheating them out of money or food, who had been abusing them, or who had been taking advantage of them, or the people that di they disagreed with. He is teaching them how to love these people. It's almost as if Jesus is picking up in verse 36 of what he says to be merciful even as the Father is merciful. And so we come to verse 37 and right away Jesus says, Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Aha! So this is a no-judge zone, right? Well, not exactly. See, in Matthew 10, Jesus tells his disciples before he sends them out to be wise or shrewd as serpents, but as gentle as doves. And later on in verses 41 and 42, Jesus is actually teaching his disciples how to judge. But Jesus does say, judge not and condemn not. And so, how do we love our enemies? By judging not and condemning not. See, this is a radical way to love. It is a hard way to love. Because we are quick to have knee-jerk judgment. Jesus is teaching his disciples that loving your enemies looks like not having quick judgment. It's not being critical or harsh or compassionless or having a desire to have vengeful condemnation towards your enemy. Instead, what we see as we read the rest of verse 37, Jesus says, forgive and you will be forgiven. And then in the first part of verse 38, give and it will be given to you. Jesus is teaching his disciples to not have knee-jerk judgment, but instead to give forgiveness and to be slow to judge. He's essentially saying be slow to judge and quick to forgive. Be generous when it comes to your judgment and forgiveness. This is not what the disciples would have seen the religious elite doing. Instead, what they had seen the religious elite doing in their days, separating themselves and playing judge. Is this not the picture that we get when the Pharisee is standing over the tax collector and saying, thank you God for not making me like him? 
I mean, there's this real picture of the tax collector bowing and the Pharisee standing because the Pharisee is trying to elevate himself over another sinful person. Jesus is saying to be generous with your judgment and forgiveness. Be slow to judge and quick to forgive. See, it's far too often in our day that we see Christian Pharisees, and this is where we must check our heart and what we will see Jesus say in a little bit. We see the Christian Pharisees separate themselves from the world. Looking at those who are addicted to drugs or alcohol. Looking at those poor people. Looking at those people who are attracted to the same sex. And separating yourselves in order to have a sense of superiority. But Jesus says the way to love your enemy is to judge not and condemn not and to forgive. And when the believer does that, as Christians, when we do that, we actually see something extraordinary and important happen. As we read in the rest of verse 38, Jesus says, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus is is promising his disciples that if you judge not and condemn not, then you will be judged not and you will be condemned not. And if you forgive, then that forgiveness will be extended to you. And the amount that you give out is the amount that you receive. You see, the goal is that unbelievers in return would not judge and condemn, but forgive and give. Is this how you treat your unbelieving family member or friend or neighbor? Being slow to judge and quick to forgive? See, the amazing thing happens is that this paves the way for a relationship to be built. Giving the opportunity for ample times to share the gospel. There are two other things that happen when when we love our enemies in this type of way. The first is that Christians are actually demonstrating the transforming power of the gospel in their lives. Because somebody who is not a Christian will not love their enemy. Especially not like this. But the second is that you are actually extending the same love that the Father has extended you. Is this not the case? Why do Christians feel the need to judge the unbeliever when God himself is already judging the unbeliever? 
How do you express your love? Do you express your love like the Father has expressed His love towards you? Being gracious? Being full of mercy? Full of love and forgiveness? Is this not what the Father has extended us? Sending His Son Jesus to take the place for our sins? Dying a death that we deserved and He lived a life that we should have lived? So that those who repent of their sins and believe in this good news can have eternal life and no longer feel the judgment or have the judgment set upon them? Brothers and sisters, we do not have to play God and judge the unbeliever. God is a pretty good judge. And so we are called to love our enemies by judging not and condemning not and forgiving Because this is what the Father has done for us. And this good news is still extended today. This is the good news of the gospel that you cannot work for. You believe in it. You believe in it and you let the transforming power of the gospel allow you to love your enemies. This can be yours today if you believe. give just two illustrations quickly of this. One of how I failed miserably in this and, and another one how God used it for his glory. You see, a few years ago when Sharice and I moved to Marinette, we were tasked with starting what is called a a gospel community. It's a, it's a community of believers that are specifically on mission to reach their community. And so we were just inviting a bunch of young adult college students over. Um, and what we would do is on Thursday nights from six to eight, we would meet up, we would have dinner, we would then talk about something. And we were very clear that we wanted to reach unbelievers. And so we just said, invite unbelievers, invite unbelievers. And there is this one girl who's about 18 years old she got done with work and she was approached in the parking lot of the grocery store that she worked at by a, a 20-year-old stranger. She got to talking with him and, and uh, invited him over. We think that she's crazy for doing this because she had no idea who he was. And she just invited him into her car to, to come to our house. And we praise God that he came and he continued to come. But I took it on myself to play judge over him. See, this, this guy had some kind of wonky theology. See, he thought that his baptism from birth is what saved him. And then he also thought that laying some money down on the altar during an altar call is what saved him. And I constantly was trying to correct him. No, man, it's, it's by grace alone, through faith alone. It's Jesus, what Jesus has done in your life. And no matter what he brought up, I was quick to shut it down. Because he also believed in, in these things called chakras and energies and, and all of this. Uh, Eastern mysticism. And I was constantly quick to shut it down, shut it down, shut it down, instead of just listening and having conversations with him. And by God's grace, for whatever reason, he continued to come back, although I was a jerk. But there would come times in our conversations when he would shut down and it was evident and he just wouldn't talk anymore. Or there were times that he was so conditioned that he would start and preface, oh, Max, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and, and it's only Jesus. But what about this? 
He ended up moving back to Houston where he was from, and, and I've only heard from him one time since. He called me on my birthday to wish me a happy birthday, but I was constantly trying to play the Holy Spirit in his life, thinking I knew what was best for him. As time went by, the Spirit started to convict me. And I started to realize that is no way to love an unbelieving neighbor. How in the world can I expect an unbeliever to think and believe the same things that I think and believe? I was never taking time to actually listen to what his heart was crying out for. And so some time went on and, and I became a server at a, a restaurant. And going into this, I knew because Sharice had been a barista at the same restaurant that I was going to be working with a bunch of unbelievers. There were uh, a few atheists. There was uh, a woman who her and her husband were, were big into Eastern Buddhism and chanting. Her husband actually went on a trip to go and chant in India and I was filled with a bunch of non-believers. And so going into this, now God working on my heart, I, I told myself I'm just going to be slow to judge, quick to forgive, and slow to speak, and quick to listen, and pray a lot. And by God's grace, as, as I was doing that, I was being my normal self. So when I got opportunities to preach, I would say, hey, I get to preach. You guys want to come and listen? Or if the word really stuck out to me that morning, I would say, hey, I read this this morning. What do you think about it? But I would just listen. I would listen to them. I would listen to the, to the parties that they had gone to, to the, to the raves that they'd gone to. And, and I was uh, started to develop a friendship with one of the guys there. We, we really just started to hit it off. And, and he would tell me how he was either um, a little hungover from the night before or still high from the weed that he had just smoked. And I would just listen to him and, and ask questions. And it came to a point when I was able to then share the gospel with him. Because he said, Max, isn't the gospel something like, you know, I just die and then I go up to heaven and I'm at the pearly gates and I just get to tell God like, yeah, I want to come in or, or I don't. And I said, no, that's not it at all. Let me tell you what it is. And so I was able to tell him. And I continued to talk to him about this stuff when it came up. I continued to be a weird Christian telling people just, I mean, just being my normal self. But I was trying desperately hard not to be the judge of their life. And on the last day, he, he came up to me and he shook he shook my hand just saying, Max, I th thanks so much. I enjoyed working with you so much. You know, I have to tell you, you are the first person who has actually made me seriously consider Christianity because I never felt judged. You, you listened to me. Now, I had no idea what God was doing in the background, and I certainly don't say that to brag because, trust me, I, I can be a complete idiot and jerk sometimes. But... Uh, a few months later, word gets out that he had become a Christian because he was going to a church. And then a few weeks later, and this was like in the middle of February, Sharice shows me a, a video on Facebook of him being baptized in the Menominee River. Do you respond to people you disagree with, with knee-jerk judgment? 
Are you quick to point out all of the things that you have wrong with your enemies? Are you quick to show people politically where they're wrong and why this is that and this isn't right and all of this? Are you quick to shut down your your neighbor's thoughts? Are you quick to separate yourself from the tax collectors and sinners of our time? Or are you slow to judge and quick to forgive? Judgment does not belong to us. And let me tell you, this is a weight and burden that you cannot bear. And so part of how we judge is by not judging our enemies. We don't judge them. That belongs to God. Yes, we are supposed to discern. We're supposed to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, like I said earlier. But judgment belongs to God. He is the lawgiver. We aren't. But our passage isn't over yet. Because we see then Jesus going on teaching his disciples on how to judge, don't we? We see Jesus first start off warning his disciples that the blind can't follow the blind because what happens when the blind follows the blind is that they fall into a pit. A blind person cannot lead a blind person because they do not know where they're going. And so Jesus is warning the disciples about the Pharisees here. Because Jesus goes on to then tell them, a disciple is not above his master. However, when it is time, a disciple will be like his master. And so if you are following a a self-righteous, arrogant, judgmental teacher there are good chances that you're going to follow in his footsteps. I mean, this is what Paul is writing to the Galatians as the Galatians have gone back to what the Jewish Pharisees, well, not Jewish Pharisees, but they were heaping these Jewish laws back onto the Gentiles. And Paul is writing to them saying, no. Jesus is warning his disciples and then he's, he's telling them as we, we read in verses 41 and 42, he's telling them, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself, guys. He's teaching them what hypocrisy looks like. And the more I'm reading scripture, the more I'm starting to see, I think Jesus is a very humorous person because this illustration, this parable that he uses is completely and utterly just out there. He uses the analogy of of a guy pointing out a speck in his brother's eye, but he fails to realize that there's this giant log poking out of his own eye. I mean, if you were to see somebody walking around with a log poking out of their eye, you'd probably tell them to get to the hospital or you'd probably just avoid them because that's a weird thing to see. But what Jesus is trying to show here is that like the hypocrites, they're quick to point out the speck in somebody's eye, but they fail to realize that they have a glaring sin problem that is public and isn't hidden. 
And so far too often, we go to our brothers and sisters to correct them, not realizing that there is a giant log that's sticking out of our eye. Where's the log in your eye? What does it look like? Is it self-righteousness? Being judgmental? Slow to forgive? Not listening to your parents? Where is the log in your eye? Because Jesus says, you shouldn't point out the speck. You shouldn't help somebody take out the speck when you've got a log in your own eye. And this is the picture we see when, when the Pharisees are about to stone the, the woman who was caught in adultery. As they are holding their stones, seconds away from stoning her, Jesus steps in and, and he says, Whoever doesn't have sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. And one by one, the Pharisees have to throw down their stones because they know that they are with sin. Far too many Christians are quick to point out the speck and fail to realize that they have a log growing in their eye. Right before Sharice and I got married, we, we read a book, and I, I've got no idea what the rest of this book is on. There was only one part that stuck out to me, so it was kind of a good book, but kind of not. But the one part that stuck out to me may have been the most important, important part for us going into marriage. See, the author made sure right away to tell his readers, it's a book called When Sinners Say I Do, and in, in this book, right away, the author was quick to point out and say, when you are going into marriage, you need to realize that you are the bigger sinner of the two. And so Sharice and I, we would joke around saying, no, I'm the bigger sinner. She would say, no, I'm the bigger sinner. Then I would say, yeah, you are. <laughs> She's going to hear that. <laughs> But you don't go into marriage, if you go into marriage immediately looking at your spouse as the problem when arguments, when anything comes up, you better put the gloves on because it's going to be long and a hard fight. But what the author is trying to point out here is when you take a step back and ask yourself, where is the log in my eye? before pointing out the speck in your spouse's eye. When you two come together and both of you have asked that question, where is the log? Then a conversation can start. And this is what we see Paul, Paul, the, the sanctified godly man do. I mean, this guy thought he was the chief of sinners. I'm the chief of sinners, Paul says. Because Paul was constantly looking for the log in his eye. Where is the log in your eye? What is it? 
When someone has wronged you, or you see a, a brother or, or sister offend you, or doing something wrong, are you taking a step back to ask, where is the log in my eye? Or are you ready to go for the jugular? When you've had a sharp disagreement with somebody, and it's been years since reconciliation has happened, have you taken the time to ask, where is the log in my eye? And then seek reconciliation. Do you do everything possible to chop down that tree that grows in your eye? Or are you too happy and too quick to point out and help other people remove the speck that's in their eye? See, Jesus, he says, remove the speck. Help your brother remove the speck. Why? Because we, we all fall short of the glory of God and we all need to strive to live in a godly and holy way. And so I need godly people pointing out my flaws. But it's so much harder when somebody comes up to me and says, Max, you're sinning in this way, when there's a glaring sin issue in that person's life. How easy is it to just blow it off and be like, yeah, right, you got your problems, man. But when somebody approaches you humbly, recognizing, I've got a log in my eye, but brother, you've got a speck right now too. Okay, let's move forward. And so I'd like to conclude by asking this question. How do we judge? Well, Jesus just taught us. He taught us that when it comes to loving our enemies, we're slow to judge and quick to forgive. We let God take care of the judging. Because when we judge not and condemn not and forgive, all of those things are given back. What you give is what you receive. And when you judge not and condemn not and forgive well, the unbeliever will extend that to you as well allowing you multiple and ample opportunities to share the gospel because there is trust and a relationship that has been built. And Jesus tells us with our brothers and sisters, before you approach them to judge them, check your heart first. Ask, where is the log in my eye? Jesus is teaching his disciples because this helps protect us from falling down the hole of hypocrisy and climbing out of Pharisee. And so, brothers and sisters, let us love not like this world that just says, do whatever you want. Let us not love like the Pharisees, becoming hypocrites and judging people for the satisfaction of feeling superior. Let us love like our Father has loved us. Let us love like children of God. Full of mercy, grace, compassion, and forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, how short do we fall of being slow to judge? How, 
How short do we fall in our time of of acting more like the Pharisees of Jesus' time than actually Jesus himself? How quick we are to judge and find it acceptable to do that to unbelievers? When your son Jesus even tells us very plainly, do not judge. And so, Father, I ask that as we go out of here, that you would allow this to deeply sink into our hearts and sprout forth opportunities to share your good news, that relationships would be built, and that we would rely upon you and trust in you that you are working. Oh, God, we we cannot control situations, but we can faithfully obey and be obedient to your word. And so I ask too that while we leave, if, if we see a brother or sister with a speck in their eye, that we would first check our own hearts, that we would, we would by all means and measures chop down the tree that has grown from our eye. Father, I plead this. Please allow this to be real to us and not just look at it as Jesus is a morally good teacher, but that he is the son of God. Pray this in your son Jesus' name, who is worthy of all honor, glory, and power. Amen.